we're going to, we're going to jump into the scriptures here and we're going to, uh, get some time to, to listen to what God says and, uh, to really kind of set our hearts and minds on just the relationship that God wants to have with us in our lives and what he's, what he longs for and what he, what he's working towards with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his, 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 his mind. Um, and we're going to, we're going to prepare our own minds for our communion. And so, um, and so let's say a prayer and then, and then let's get, get into the scriptures here for a little bit. And, um, and, uh, we'll have a great time just, uh, spending some time thinking about Jesus, but uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you so, so much for this day. Thank you for even the small opportunities that we have to encourage one another and to build each other up and take an interest in each other's lives. Father, we feel stronger. We feel more courageous, God, as we do that and feel more connected to you, feel more connected with, uh, to each other. Father, thank you for that and thank you for this community. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would lead us and guide us powerfully through your word. Father, as we just take a few minutes here to, uh, to think about you and consider <clears throat> what you're saying to us and how you're trying to lead and guide us. Father, Father, uh, help us through the scriptures and your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so my lesson this morning is entitled Fresh Start. Fresh Start. And, uh, you know, this year, we are studying the New Testament <clears throat> together. We're studying the good news. We're going to be giving a lot of time to living and and to learning, to living, to, to sharing the good life together and, and, and learning what that means. You know, really the new, the new Testament's main message is that God wants to give us a fresh start. God longs to give us a fresh start this year, this day, literally this moment. God wants to give us a totally new, totally fresh start, a new heart, a new part, a new start. It's called redemption. It's called forgiveness. It's called reconciliation. It's called renewal. It's called salvation. It's really called one word, love. God wants to love us and give us a new start. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It keeps no record of wrongs. And God wants to give us a new start, a fresh start that we can look forward to life like never before. Even if stuff happened yesterday, even if stuff happened this morning, that he wants to give us a fresh start. You know, Sue and I went to the dentist over the last uh, few weeks. And, um, you know, we haven't been to the dentist. I hate to say this. I'm in about five years. And so we went to the dentist. <laughs> and we're sitting there getting our teeth worked on and clean. We're getting x-rays of every little, you know, part of our mouth. Everything that's going on in there. And the dentist came in at one point. He said, so give me, give me an update. How you doing? How, how's, 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 you know, tell me about your, uh, tell me about how things are going in your, in your mouth with your teeth. And I said, well, I said, I feel pretty good about it. I said, except for the fact that I've been, I feel a little guilty. I haven't been here in five years. He's like, stop. We don't do guilt here. And I was like, yes, thank you for that. We don't do guilt here. He says, I just want to commend you for being a part of the 25% of people that actually care for their, their, their dental health. He says 75% of people don't take these steps to care for their, for their mouth. He says, we're, we're, we're playing a long game here. You're in this for the next 20 years. We just want to really take the long view of you getting as healthy as possible. Uh, in your, in your 
dental health care. And so I was inspired by that. I was thankful for that, that uh, he was willing to tell, take me where I'm at and willing to help me through his expertise get to a new place, a healthier place. You know, it's crazy. As we look at the Bible, God has given you and me a starring role in the epic story of redemption, of fresh starts. And uh, this is a story that's now playing. It's playing out in your heart, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your world. And we're familiar with the story, but often we're afraid to embrace our role in the story. And we're like that kid who's in the school play, who's standing behind the curtain and is afraid of going out and playing that role that they've been practicing for. And they're afraid to go out because they're like, well, what if, what if people laugh? What if I mess up? What if I fall down? We're like the kid who's sitting on the bench at the basketball game and he wants to play. He wants to be put in, but there's a fear that grips him with that risk. What if I make a bad pass? What if I don't make the shot? What if people laugh at me? What if I mess up? What if I fall down? And so like those kids, oftentimes, we as adults can settle. We can use our lives to hide out. And the, and the challenge with that is that we end up dying. We end up dying on the inside. We end up living fake lives. We end up living for the approval of others, we end up living empty lives because because we're afraid to engage in this starring role that God has given to us. You know, we're familiar with the story. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, I wanted to read there. We're familiar with the story. And it starts in Genesis chapter 1. And it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And we go through this epic story of creation where God is doing his thing and it's good and it's very good. And he uses words like good, like blessed. He was blessing us. He was loving us. He was helping us. He was preparing for us the good life where in the good life, we'd have things like meaningful relationships, meaningful work. We'd have wisdom. We'd have freedom. God was giving us what we needed in our lives and he was giving it to us in abundance. But the challenge was we didn't trust God. We trusted the serpent more. How is that even possible? That we trust the serpent more than God who provided all these things for us. But we didn't trust God. We didn't respect God. We thought more highly of our own wisdom. We thought more highly of our own strength and power. And it's put us into this death spiral, this downward cycle of injury, of violence, of destruction. We started to depend more on idols, more on our own flesh, more on our own power. And it's been, it's been, it's been uh, this cycle ever since as we look at history. But in this cycle that we chose and that we, and that we want to choose every day for our lives, 
in this cycle, God has been working. He's been working. He's been longing to strengthen and to discipline us and to love us and to bring us back to true health, to remind us of what true wealth really is. He's been working through history. God has been working through his spirit. God has been working through his prophets. God has been working through his word, through people, through consequences, through nature. And God even sent his son. God even sent his own son, Jesus, who gave his life, who gave his service, who gave his body, who gave his blood. He he died for us on the cross. He was tortured in order to come and save us and help us. He was resurrected from the dead. I mean, incredible. There's no other story like it in the whole history of man. There's no other story like it in any culture, in any, in any remote place out there. Jesus is incredible. And God was doing this for us. He gave us the good news, the good news that we can get a fresh start. We can start new every morning, every moment because of what Jesus did for us, because of what God has done for us. You know, we see Peter, you know, standing up in Acts chapter two and preaching the good news of the fresh start. He's saying, he talked about Jesus, the three amazing gifts of God, Jesus and reconciliation and community. He talked about light and life and love. The three things that all humans long for as we walk in the darkness, where's the light to guide me? God provides that. As we, as we sense this disconnection from God, how can I be reconciled to him? Am I forgiven by him? Will he love me? What does he think about me? And we find reconciliation through Christ as we repent and as we're baptized in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, we find love in community and love with God, love with one another, and don't all humans crave the love of God and the love of one another. It's what makes life full. It's what gives us the strength to live, to go on. And God provides that through community with him and through one another. It's powerful. It's a new start, a new heart, a new part, a new start. It's a fresh start that God wants to give us every single day. And, and yet we cry out, where is God? We cry out, where's the change? We cry out, where's the fresh start? And here's the thing. God is here. God wants to walk with us. He wants to be known by us. He wants us to seek him with all of his heart. And when we seek him with all of his heart, we will find him. He promises it. And that's the case every time. I don't know about you, but every time I get on my knees, I'm amazed that God is there. Every time I go out on a prayer walk and I might be frustrated, I might be ranting, I might be disappointed, but God is there and he strengthens me. And I feel that bond and that closeness that comes from walking with him. Where is God? Well, he's right here. He's talking to you. He wants to walk with you and with me. Well, where's the change? Well, you are the change. You are the change. We don't necessarily need to change the world out there. We need to change ourselves. And with that change, we become the leaven in the loaf of our family, of our communities, of our world, as we change and become more and more like him. See, guys, it's your time. This is your time to step out on that stage and with faith and with daring is to go for it. 
and to play the part that you were made for. It's your time to risk it, to live it, to take hold. God is calling your name. Your name is, hey, Steve, it's time for your time on the court. Let's play this game. Let's engage with, with life. Um, let's forget what's behind. Let's forget the failures. Let's forget the challenges. And let's strain toward what's ahead because God's got great things for us. You know, I was uh, talking with one of the, one of the guys the other day and he said this, he said this to me. He said, you know, Steve, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be a leader. And I was talking with him. I said, you know, that's the wrong question. God isn't asking you if you want to be a leader. God is saying to you, you are already a leader. How well do you want to do it? That's the question. See, who's going to lead you if you don't? I can't. Your neighbor can't. If you don't step up and lead your life, then no one else does it. You've got to make decisions for your life. So very at the very basic thing, every human is a leader because they got to lead themselves. But then Jesus says, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And so, and so we, if you're in a family, you're a leader. If you have friendships, then you're, and you're influencing those friends around you, then you're a leader. If you're in a community, if you have neighbors, then you are a leader. It's just, it's just the question is how well are you going to do it? Jesus says life can be easy and light if we'll do it right, if we'll do it well, if we'll engage with him to train how to lead ourselves and how to lead in our communities, how to be that light, how to be that salt. Because Jesus asked the question, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? How can it get a fresh start? Well, it's through God. And it's through Jesus. It's through reconciliation. It's through community. It's through the good news. The good news is the path to live the good life. There's a famous uh, poem not a poem, it was part of a speech that Theodore Roosevelt did that some of us are very familiar with. It's called The Man in the Arena. And he says, not the critic who counts. It's not the man or woman who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But he or she who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. So here's the thing, guys. You're living the life that your family tree is going to look back on. What are they going to say about how you lived it? Were you a critic? Were you cowardly? Or were you courageous in how you lived your life? Jesus, God, is longing for us. They're calling our name to say, say, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. So many of you are an inspiration to me and to Sue. I'm so thankful to be a part of this community. So many of you are in the arena and stepping into the arena and going for it with your life. But I do want to ask us to consider even a new start where we can engage in our own lives, in our walk with God. We can engage with our community around us so that we are actively learning and we're living and we're sharing the good news of great joy for all people. We have an amazing opportunity to, to bring light and salt and faith, hope, and love to our world that so desperately needs it. But we've got to make a decision. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to go for it. I want us to turn over to the book of Ezekiel. Okay, so who's read Ezekiel lately? Anybody read Ezekiel lately? Okay, we got Larry. Not many, right? Ezekiel's not usually the go-to book in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what we're, what we're studying. And so it might even take you a second to get there. But I'm going to read through this because Ezekiel is written by a prophet who had a lot to say about his generation and he has a lot to say about our generation. He prophesied about Jesus. And he wants to help us in our struggle today. And it's so pertinent what he says to us. Ezekiel chapter 33. Let's start there in verse 7. And I'm just going to read to this. I'm not going to give a lot of commentary, but I'm going to read through some verses in, in Ezekiel uh, 33 through 37. Um, and so I want you to listen. And I want, I want us guys to take this seriously. This is God speaking through a prophet, Ezekiel. And he's speaking to us. And he's longing for us. And he's, and he's warning us. He's pleading with us. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And so I want us to listen to this. Ezekiel chapter 33. This is for you. Okay. This isn't for the person next to you. This is for you and for me. Ezekiel 33 verse 7. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will be saved yourself. Son of man, say to the house of Israel, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we're wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Look further in in Ezekiel chapter 33, in verse 30. As for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the house is saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people will come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion. With their hearts, they are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Look in Ezekiel 34, verse 15. 
he's talking about, you see in Ezekiel 34, the shepherds and the sheep. And, uh, the shepherds are really, are really, uh, not doing a very good job. The shepherds of Israel. And in chapter 34 and verse 15, God says this, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. In verse 27, Ezekiel 34, verse 27. The trees of the field will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 4. I will turn your towns into ruins and you will be desolate. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In verse 9. I will make you desolate forever. Your towns will not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In the end of of chapter 35, he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. God is pleading with us. Know that he's the Lord. Know that he's in charge. He's the boss. He knows what he's talking about. Let's respect him. Let's know him. Let's love him. Ezekiel chapter 35 and uh, actually first chapter 36 there's, there's prophecies against Edom, prophecies to the mountains of Israel. And I know it's not real pleasant to read these passages, but God is yearning for us to respond to him. Chapter 36 and verse 23. It says, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. Verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to, 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 Keep, to keep my laws, you will live in the land I gave your forefathers, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he, broke, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and, and I saw a great many bones in the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will break, I will make, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In verse 23, they will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. For I will save them from all of their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them and they will be my people and I will be their God. And in verse 27, my dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, 
make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're talking about getting a fresh start. We're talking about getting a fresh start in 2021, getting a fresh start today, getting a fresh start right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 11. It says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it's for this, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I have one point this morning, and that's simply be reconciled to God. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation. It's called the good news. It's about Jesus. It's about reconciliation. It's about community. It's a world, it's a, it's a message that we desperately need today. It's a message that our families, our kids, our neighbors, our society desperately needs today. The only way that I can see us moving forward as a society is if we follow Jesus' leadership and become leaders like him. That's the only way out. That's the only way forward. And so it's up to us to make that choice that I will be reconciled to God. So I want to give you a little bit of homework this week. I want you to take hold of your fresh start and make it fresh and new and wonderful and alive in your life. And I want you to go to God and talk to him about this. I want you to go to God and talk to him, maybe cry out to him, maybe with loud cries and tears like Jesus did. And to talk to him about your relationship with him and this ambassadorship that you've been given, this ministry of reconciliation that you've been given, not only to understand and to hear, but to put into practice. The power is in the practice. The fresh start comes in the practice. We know these things. Now you will be blessed if you do them. And so we've got to become active. We've got to become aggressive. We've got to go for it in our own lives. 
but it starts with being reconciled to God. I want us to study this out. I want us to talk about this vigorously in our, in our life teams. I want us to, 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 to think about it. Maybe even go back to this message and listen to it and, and, and drink a little bit more deeply from these passages in Ezekiel because God is longing for us. And it's not the critic who count, who counts. It's the man or woman who's actually in the arena, who, when it's all said and done, knows the triumphs, knows the failures of going for it. Guys, we're in this together. And so at the very end here, in this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, "Is uh, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's what communion is all about, us remembering that, us remembering that God loved us so much that uh, he gives all these things that I've mentioned this morning, and he sent his own son to give his blood for us, to give his life for us, to give his body for us, so that we could truly live, so that we could truly flourish, as was his plan from the beginning. But let's take hold of it, and let's renew that spirit of taking hold of it and that commitment to taking hold of it in this time during our communion. Let's pray and let's enjoy our communion as we talk with God and as we remember Jesus together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to get a fresh start right now. Father, you completely forgive us of our sins. Father, you don't hold a record of wrongs. Father, you're patient with us. You love us deeply and you've expressed that in so many different ways. Father, we as a community commit ourselves to walking with you to to being new creations, to living out the ministry of reconciliation in our lives. God, thank you in advance for all the amazing things you're going to do f- with us and through us and in us, God, as we make these, these choices. We love you, God, and we thank you for this time to remember Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen.